You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Titletown, USA. And it's Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. And if you haven't already taken care of Mama, fret not. There is still time. Give them a call over there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Phone lines are back up, by the way. Peterbrook, among the thousands impacted by the severe weather in the earlier stages of this week. But the phone lines back up and working there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Get your order in today. 205-752-0211. It's also as simple as just swinging by there. Check in the great staff there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. They're going to take care of you from start to finish. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60 bit of of Sports Talk Radio. Had a little bit of a respite yesterday. Had the Tide 100. Point nine crew over in the Birmingham area for the region's tradition celebrity pro-am. So uh, the station heavily represented over there. You heard programming during this time slot originating from Greystone Golf and Country Club. Great, great stuff on the radio station. But we're back on a Thursday. And Jacob Harrison, I take it that you're doing just fine this morning. I am. I am. I'm, I'm trying to, to white knight for the name, image, and likeness a little bit this morning, apparently. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know what I did last night? I went to a uh, Little League baseball game. I haven't done that in years. And so I didn't really know what to expect. But it was the machine pitch age level, I guess it's referred to. Now, not so much an actual pitching machine out there on the mound these days. They've got this apparatus that they can use that looks like it's spring-based. You know, they just cock this thing, they set it, forget it, and it grooves strikes to the little ones, to the little guys and gals. And uh, so I took in a machine-pitch baseball game last night 
proud to report there were no YouTube viral moments among the parents and maybe, say, the umpire that was in charge of officiating, umpiring the contest. Probably a good thing it was a blowout, right? If it had been tight, who knows what the hell would have happened in the latter stages of that one last night. Between the Braves and Rays, by the way, those were your two teams, your two combatants in that eight-year-old machine pitch game last night. But you know what they had at this game? The Braves, I got to give it to them. And you people are wondering about, they're worried about name, image, and likeness at the Power Five level in college athletics. The eight-year-old Braves in the machine pitch league, they had walk-up music to the plate for each of their batters, Jacob. So these kids are learning early, man. They're learning early about branding, about who they are individually within the team dynamic. I hadn't seen that. That was a first for me, Jacob. Walk-up music for eight-year-olds in Little League Baseball. That's where we're at. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you would like to jump on board with us on a Thursday morning, we would love to hear from you. Some takeaways from the Regents Tradition Celebrity Pro-Am yesterday. First and foremost, you had in-person interaction with people like Nick Saban with people like Nate Oates. It wasn't Zoom for a change. Wasn't that a nice change of pace for you? As the sports fan, that was different. That was certainly more of a return to normalcy. First time we've really seen that since probably early 2020, right? The bowl games, uh, maybe when you had when you had early entrance into the NFL draft for 2020, make their intentions known there before that January 15th deadline, you might have had some of that. Maybe the late signing period for football. But uh, it had been more than a year, more than a year where you were non-Zoom in your interaction. Nick Saban, I thought the big news from Nick Saban's comments yesterday, announced that he has retired from the Noontime Basketball Association. The hip, he cited. Had that hip procedure a little while back. And look, I would think Nick, since he is the commissioner of the Noontime Basketball Association and he makes all the rules, picks all the teams, Nick could just sort of position himself out behind the three-point line, stay above, stay out of the stay out of the mosh pit that is the paint a lot of times in those pickup basketball games. Your biggest chance of getting hurt participating in athletics, because I've done it, is in pickup basketball, right? Pickup basketball, you're at the park, you're playing maybe full court. Now, Nick and the guys in noontime basketball, that's half court oriented. But you, you play this full court basketball at the park, and there's always going to be the one guy, right, who's playing like it's game seven of, say, the 85 finals between the Celtics and the Lakers, like it's Magic and Bird all over again in the mid-'80s. There's always that one guy. You know, he's not going to give up a breakaway layup. You get a steal. You're by yourself. You're coasting down the other end. You got an easy layup, and here comes hard foul guy in the pickup game. Not even at the rec center. I'm talking about at the outdoor court. There's always that guy. But you could do that with Nick, I would think, in his own league. We also saw, what about Charles Barkley's golf swing yesterday? How good did that look? You know, Charles synonymous in terms of golf anyway with the yips you watch charles on the celebrity tournaments 
the one out there at Lake Tahoe each and every year, which is one of those mile markers into another football season. Charles looks like he's fixed that. Golf swing looked great for Charles. Now we'll see. He goes back out to Lake Tahoe. We'll see if it holds up there on the national television. This is more of a regional deal at the region's tradition, but I was pretty impressed by Charles Barkley yesterday over there at Greystone Golf and Country. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Taco. Um, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to check in with the college football professor, Chris Hummer of 247sports.com. Chris has been able to confirm today what Go247, part of the 247sports.com network. I'm working on that right now, Jacob. Hopefully that's better. But uh, you had the initial report yesterday from Go247.com that T.J. Finley, the quarterback for the LSU Tigers, was going into the NCAA transfer portal. Chris has been able to confirm that today. So some sort of expected attrition for the LSU Tigers at the quarterback position especially after our guy. We're big fans here on the program of Max Johnson, who jumped in there as the starter late in the 2020 season, quarterbacked LSU to wins on the road, one win on the road at Florida, came back home and won a shootout over Ole Miss and Baton Rouge. You kind of expected that it would be Max Johnson going into the offseason as the favorite to win that job. You also had Miles Brennan coming back from an injury. You've got Garrett Nussmeyer, a freshman who is impressed early on at LSU. So you got a crowded quarterback room. So I don't think there's a ton of surprise today to learn that TJ Finley, second year quarterback, will be on the move. I guess the only question at this point is does TJ Finley end up at Tennessee too? I mean, why not? He's a transfer, he's a quarterback. He, you can't spell UT without T. TJ, TJ to UT? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens with TJ Finley. Really talented guy. Really at his best when he has a clean pocket with which to work. Big, tall quarterback. Not as much on the athletic side. Not going to extend plays all that much. So TJ Finley on the move from LSU. We'll also talk with Chris. He's got a piece up today at uh, 247sports.com where he presents the case for the individuals who will be tasked with replacing the SEC's first-round draft picks. So, obviously, with Alabama having six first-round picks, we'll go through those. Uh, his prime candidates around the SEC to replace first-round picks. And what about Jimbo Fisher yesterday? Jimbo Fisher having a little fun out there with the fans in the state of Texas, A&M's with the Aggies. And uh, he was asked at this uh, touchdown club out in the Houston area, what's the key other than Saban retiring to finally beating Alabama? And Fisher responded with, we're going to beat his ass even when he's there. Whoa, Jimbo. 
Yeah, look, you get it. He's talking to primarily uh, Texas A&M fans. Now, it's the Houston TD Club. I don't think this was a specific Aggie gathering, but uh, I'm sure it, it played well with the Aggie fans in attendance. It certainly reverberated on an otherwise slow college football news day other than the appearances of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Brian Harson at the region's tradition celebrity pro-am, but uh, made some headlines for Jimbo. And look, that's what Jimbo kind of has to say. The only thing I would say is he, he put a little extra mustard on it, didn't he? With the whole, we're going to beat his at, not, not we're going to beat Alabama while he's there. You know, I think there's some Alabama fans that are going to, right or wrong, they're going to classify that comment with maybe something similar to what Ed Orgeron uttered post-game following LSU's win in Tuscaloosa a couple of years ago. Jimbo bringing a little heat. A little fun. It's good. What else do you got to do? You know, we're not even to mid-May yet. Jimbo giving us some, uh, some stuff to work with here on Southern Fried Sports. We're going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, you know what else it's never too early for? That's mock drafts. And Todd McShay of ESPN has released his way too early 2022 NFL draft mock for the first round. And we'll talk about the Alabama presence showing up. Some names that have surprised me, by the way, in recent days that you're hearing in relation to the 2022 NFL draft where Alabama is concerned. We'll get into all that and more. We've got a big baseball, big softball weekend for Alabama coming up. So much to get into, and we'll do all of it. When Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier, returns on a Thursday right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, the high 76 degrees. Some clouds moving in tonight. There could be a few isolated showers thanks to a cold front passing through, the low at 49. And tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine with a high at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. I remember standing on the corner at midnight. Trying to get my courage up There was this long, lovely dance in a little club downtown Loved to watch her do her stuff Born on this day in 1945 Through the long, lonely nights That gentleman She filled my sleep Bob Seger Turned 76 years old today. First rock and roll concert. First rock and roll concert I ever attended was 1980-ish. And it was Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. I'd say that was a pretty good start. Pretty good intro. And that one right there, of course, Main Street, recorded 
in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Those iconic guitar riffs that you're hearing there. Pete Carr worked with Swampers up in Muscle Shoals. Sheffield, Alabama specifically, but Muscle Shoals Sound. That's where it was located. Bob knew where it was at. Bob knew to hit the Shoals when he really needed it done right, didn't he? It is a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Right here on Tide 100.9 FM. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, you are more than welcome to do so. We talked about some baseball and softball on the immediate horizon. Remember now, you've got Alabama Ole Miss softball getting underway this evening. At the Rhodes House, Thursday through Saturday run for the Crimson Tide and Rebels. Ole Miss freshly into the top 25, I see here, after a... Authorities have issued a required monthly test for all of Alabama beginning at 11.18 a.m. and ending at 11.33 a.m. This is a coordinated monthly test of the broadcast stations of your area. We are testing equipment that can quickly warn you during emergencies. If this had been an actual emergency, an official message would have followed the alert tone. This concludes this test of the emergency alert system. Slam. This one from Marcel Azuna. Marcel went oppo for that grand slam last night up in D.C. You know, maybe a pitcher, maybe a pitcher hitting a grand slam on Tuesday night motivated the rest of the guys in the clubhouse. Maybe Marcel got it done on Wednesday night. 305 first pitch in the finale of that three game series with the Braves and the Nats set for this afternoon. And then it's back to Truist Park for the Braves tomorrow with the Phillies in town for the weekend. And then the Blue Jays, after sweeping Atlanta in Florida last weekend, Braves get a chance for a little payback with the Blue Jays on deck for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. Off day on Monday for the Braves. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. We previewed this a little bit before we went to our first break. And I kind of had to get on to Jacob Harrison a little bit because, I mean, come on. Who's our resident draft guy? I mean, draft guru. It's Jacob Harrison. So I asked Jacob Harrison, have you seen Todd McShay's way too early 2022 NFL first round draft mock? You know what he tells me? I have not. What? What in the world? Yeah. So I had to I had to give Jacob a little bit of a pep talk during that last break. But I think we got it now. I'll run some of these by you and get some thoughts on these. Give some thoughts on these. Houston Texans, who Todd McShay projects as having the number one overall selection next year in the draft 
Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end of Oregon. Kind of the West Coast, Jadeveon Clowney is how this guy's going to be packaged. And he's had some great numbers. 21 career games, 12 sacks, 23 and a half tackles for loss. He was a guy similar to Clowney that Alabama was very much involved with during his recruitment. A Californian decided to stay out on the West Coast and go to Oregon. So right now, McShay has Thibodeau, the edge defender, as the number one overall selection for the 2022 NFL Draft. McShay has Keaton Slovis, quarterback, USC, going number two to the Detroit Lions. And Slovis is a guy, well, JT Daniels is at Georgia because of Keaton Slovis. And one of the biggest shames of that Alabama SC game that was scheduled for the season opener, the 2020 season going away, was that I wanted to see Keaton Slovis against Alabama. He had some good receivers last year, too. Alabama, as we know, going into last season, was undergoing some major growth, as we could say, on the back end of that defense. But Keaton Slovis, right now projected as the number two overall pick. You know, McShay doesn't have a lot of faith. Doesn't have a lot of faith in our Jaguars in year one under Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. By the way, did you see yesterday the Jacksonville Jaguars on social media with Urban talking about Trevor Lawrence and the process of, you know, determining, you know, his place? Is what? What are you talking about? You know, Urban still thinks he's at Ohio State or Florida. Is he going to do the thing like he did at Ohio State, where you had to lose your stripe as a freshman? to kind of validate yourself as a Ohio State Buckeye? Are they going to have that type of hokey stuff in Jacksonville, too, at the professional level? I mean, if you're an NFL player and you hear some of this stuff from Urban, you're going, uh. And now he's talking about bringing Tim Tebow. We told you two months ago Tim Tebow was in all likelihood going to be a Jaguar. What if you're a Jaguar player and you know the relationship between Urban and Tim Tebow, and now Tim Tebow is going to be in your locker room with you every day. You going to be worried about Tim Tebow maybe being a little bit of a plant for Urban Meyer being a set of ears in that locker room for Urban Meyer? I'll tell you what, you put Tim Tebow in that locker room, it sounds easy enough, but among the players, Tim's going to have to prove himself a couple of different ways. First of all, why is he even here? as a National Football League player at this point in his life. And then also his relationship with Urban. But Todd McShay has our Jacksonville Jaguars with the number three overall selection. And he has us taking Derek Stingley Jr. The thing I like, the thing I like most about that pick is that Devontae Smith will be in the NFC. (laughs) So Derek won't have to see Devontae, hopefully, all that much, being in the AFC South and with Devontae in the NFC East because we all know what Devontae's done to Derek the last couple of years. Interesting SEC player also here in the top four with the New York Jets, number four overall, taking Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. 
Cross a couple of years ago, he was one of the rare sort of five-star recruits that found his way. He's a home state guy, but actually signed with Mississippi State. He redshirted his first year. Last year stepped into that role, and the expectation being that uh, that he will flourish in year three there in Starkville. As far as Alabama players go, you get to number nine, and McShay has the New York Giants picking in that spot, and that's where he has Evan Neal right now going to the Giants. And definitely a strong flavor of SEC former Alabama guys there with the New York Giants these days, Burton Burns, I mean, Joe Judge, the new head coach for the New York Giants, was a special teams analyst at Alabama just eight or nine years ago. You got a lot of Alabama affiliation up there on that staff and SEC affiliation on that staff. So Evan Neal, who Todd McShay slashes, he slashes him as an offensive tackle slash guard going number nine overall. Other Alabama guys that we'll get into perhaps later in the program that show up in McShay's way too early mock. Uh, You get down to the bottom of the first round, you get a run of them. Christian Harris at 29 overall to the Green Bay Packers. I think that might be a little low for Christian. Josh Job up next at 30 to the Buffalo Bills. So those are the kind of guys that you're looking at. I will say I saw in a specific first-round projection for the Tampa Bay Bucks. By the way, John Mechie at 22 overall to the uh, Tennessee Titans in McShay's first-round mock. I saw Fedarian Mathis as a potential high-round pick. And, hey, I hope that's the case. Absolutely. But if you ask me of Alabama defensive linemen who are going to be draft eligible in 2022, if Fedarian Mathis would be at the top of my list, I probably wouldn't have Phil there. But he's been very solid, been very steady, no doubt about that. But you consider guys like Byron Young, Justin Aboigby, DJ Dale. Again, maybe not as much in the way of star power for that defensive line. Tim Smith may emerge as that sort of war daddy on that defensive line. But should be very, very good collectively. We're going to head to a break. We come back. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer. For 247sports.com, he'll join us. We'll talk about replacing first-rounders around the Southeastern Conference. And also, T.J. Finley on the move from LSU, the second-year quarterback. We'll get into that with Chris Hummer as well when Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering down. She was a black haired beauty with big dark eyes. And points all her own, sudden way up high. Way up firm and high. 
Travis Ride, Sports Radio right here on Tide, 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com with you weekday mornings from 11 a.m. until noon. And occasionally we like to check in with our good pal Chris Hummer, Senior College Football Writer for 247sports.com. I may have elevated Chris Hummer and his title there with the senior. I don't know if he's officially received that designation yet, Chris, but in our eyes at this point, you definitely qualify for senior. We're giving you the senior designation. What do you think of that, Chris? It makes me feel old, man. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know if I've earned <laughs> that. And uh, as somebody approaching 30 rapidly, like I don't, I don't know if I can deal with the word senior being next to my name in any context. Oh, but call just this in my life. Oh, 30. Worried about 30. Those were the good old days. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can, Chris. Um, uh, the good old days. That seemed like six or seven months ago when we saw T.J. Finley in there as the starting quarterback following the injury to Miles Brennan. Looked like there for a minute or so, T.J. Finley might be the next big thing where the LSU quarterback position is concerned. Uh, but Max Johnson got some opportunities as the season wore on. He made good use of those, obviously, down the stretch and – here we are. Life comes at you fast with these college football quarterbacks, I guess, Chris. It really does. Things can change so quickly. And uh, this is yet another example of that. Uh, you could be the next hot thing one minute, and then you could be gone the next. We saw that with Joe Milton at Michigan, uh, Dewan Mathis, uh, Georgia, I mean, just to name a few. And it can change really rapidly. And in this era of transfers, quarterbacks are moving faster than ever and it's it's not surprising to see tj leave he was a guy that i think our guys at lsu 247 were hearing we're gonna leave i was hearing tj might leave that quarterback room is very full with max johnson and miles brennan also competing for that job and it just was natural one of those guys had to move on you know i kind of half jokingly early in the show mentioned that doesn't tj finley have to go to tennessee isn't that what you have to do as a college quarterback these days, if you're going to move on, go to Tennessee, it seems like. <laughs> I think so. It feels like Tennessee has at least a half a dozen quarterbacks from the transfer portal recently. Got Joe Milton, Harrison Bailey, Hendon Hooker. Um, I'm definitely forgetting a few. Brian Maurer, uh, their quarterback from last year. I'm definitely Keaton Slater, Salter, uh, their recruit from last cycle. So it's, it's very busy over at Tennessee, and I don't think they know who their quarterback's going to be, to be honest. So let's ask you this. Max Johnson or Miles Brennan to open the 2021 season for the Tigers behind center? Which way would you go right now? Um, I mean, based on everything I've heard and just my eyes, like Max Johnson got the first first team rep out of the spring mm-hmm. game. I think Miles is still coming off an injury. He could very well uh, kind of take a step forward. Uh, heading into the fall, but Miles, I think Max is kind of the guy right now for LSU. That that could really change, obviously, but I'd kind of put my money there at this moment. Saw where his five-star brother, a tight end, recently committed to the Tigers as well. So uh, Brad Johnson's fam uh, doing some good things there for LSU. I uh, wanted to get your reaction to Jamison Williams, the former Ohio State receiver, uh, making the decision to transfer to Alabama. How did that one strike you? I was, uh, frankly, a little surprised. Um, 
Jameson is a guy who I know had a lot of interest. Uh, it's it's really interesting, and it shows how good that Ohio State cube, or wide receiver room is. He was a starter last year, and honestly, and I'm not trying to slight Jamison Williams in the slightest. I think he's a really good receiver and could potentially be an NFL receiver down the line, but he might have been their fourth or fifth best receiver last year. That's how loaded that next year, and that's how loaded that room was. Um, so to see him to go to Alabama was a bit of a surprise, but I, I guess it's not all that shocking when you think about it. A little context, John Mechie is really the only proven option in that room right now. Uh, Slade Bolden, I guess, in the slot, but they were really counting on some of those underclassmen receivers to emerge. And Jamison Williams is a really good bridge uh, for Alabama, and he certainly brings a level of speed on the outside that is different than what most players on that roster uh, can provide. Jamison Williams is a 10 6 guy in the 100 meters. He's legitimately uh, a dangerous downfield threat, and he, I think he's going to play right away at Alabama in some capacity, and he's certainly going to help. So, like, it never hurts to have somebody with that kind of speed in your room. Is he walking into a better quarterback situation with Bryce Young at Alabama as well, or do you think maybe the transition from Justin Fields to his successor in Columbus could end up going pretty well for the Buckeyes? I think it'll go well for both parties, honestly. It's it's tough to skip the beat at Ohio State with the system Ryan Day has put together and the wide receivers that are there. I think Bryce Young's talent ceiling is probably slightly higher than C.J. Stroud, who was also a five-star quarterback, who I expect to win that job at Ohio State. But uh, I'll roll with Bryce. Uh, he's one of the most brilliant high school quarterbacks I've ever seen. There, He wouldn't really push Mac Jones last year, but I don't think it was like, Mac winning by a full lap or anything like that. I think Bryce was very good as a true freshman and with a year to kind of digest that system heading into an NFL system under Bill O'Brien and with the offensive line that'll likely be in front of him. Um, I think Bryce Young's going to be excellent next year and I would probably take Bryce long-term, but I think both quarterbacks would be really successful. You're out there. In the state of Texas. If you can't tell, I'm out there on a limb, right? I'm just like hanging on that bar, just like <laughs> splitting right down the middle. Basically, five-star to five-star. Not a bad situation uh, when you look at the quarterbacks for for both Ohio State and Alabama uh, moving ahead. Um, you're out there in Texas, and so comments from Jimbo Fisher made a few waves yesterday in the Houston area. He was asked by a fan what the key to beating Alabama under Nick Saban was other than Saban retiring, and Jimbo had some fun and said, we're going to beat their arses even when he's there. Uh, does this feel like a very important year? I know they're all important, but when you look at A&M and sort of the expectations and, and what all the, the Aggies return, although they too are undergoing transition at quarterback, is getting Alabama at home. Uh, the stars appear to be aligned for A&M to snap a lengthy losing streak to the Crimson Tide. And certainly – a lengthy losing streak when you talk about saving disciples and trying to get over the hump against the old man. Yeah, well, first, I would say Jimbo Fisher is doing what you do at a booster event, right? You're not going to be like, oh, we're yeah. going to be really good, but we're going to lose to Alabama every year. That that doesn't bring the money flowing in quite like A&M needs to kind of keep paying Jimbo Fisher what they pay him. So I think it's totally understandable for Jimbo Fisher to do that. And I would say, I think, of the former assistants kind of in line to 
beat Nick Saban, Jimbo probably has the best opportunity, at least annually. He gets to play him every year. And I think A&M's roster construction is at a point where they can legitimately start swinging with Alabama kind of along the depth chart, man for man, in a way they weren't able to do when uh, Jimbo first got there. And even in a way they weren't able to do consistently when Texas A&M entered the SEC and actually beat Alabama one time with Johnny Manziel. Like, the depth wasn't there, and it's it's there now with the way Jimbo Fisher's recruited. What that program really needs is a roster like last year, but with a quarterback who can really elevate the program like they had with Johnny. Um, if that happens, I think A&M is perfectly capable of beating Alabama. I think I don't know if Alabama's – I wouldn't call them vulnerable this year. They're my preseason number one. But when you consider all they lost, if you're going to get Alabama this year, I think it would probably be this year, right? Like an A&M – as the pieces, although I worry about the offensive line and that wide receiver group. Um, I might be taking this question in a totally different direction, but I also think Lane Kiffin's a really interesting one to keep an eye on. If anybody is going to beat Nick Saban first, I think it might be Lane, and I know that goes against what I just said, but Lane gets up and he lives for that game. He schemes better than anybody in the country. I think Lane almost beat him last year in that shootout that we saw. And uh, I think that'll be a really interesting battle between Jimbo and Lane to kind of get that done in the SEC West with uh, Kirby kind of looming in the background. Yeah, you talk about Kirby. If you had Alabama on a neutral field this Saturday against uh, Texas A&M and then the next Saturday against Georgia, which of those teams going into 2021 would you like to have the best shot of beating Alabama? Would it be Kirby or, or Jimbo when we talk about Disciples? Probably, probably Kirby. I think that roster is in a slightly better shape than A&M is right now. A&M's mm-hmm. offensive line situation is pretty worrying, and I know Georgia's is not quite that bad, but they also have some questions along that group. But when you consider the quarterback that Georgia has, JT Daniels, who I, I think is still a first-round talent, and even with George Pickens being gone, and even with um, Caleb Burton potentially not playing next season, I think Georgia's wide receiver group is excellent. And as long as that secondary at Georgia kind of comes together and they have all the talent in the world too, I think the answer would be Georgia still. But I I think the gap is narrowing some. And last year we saw an all-time great Alabama team, and I think it's going to come down to earth at least a little bit this year. Um, The 2020 and 2021 recruiting classes were really, really strong. But I think there's always going to be a bit of a transition from a team like Alabama had last year. And I think – A&M and Georgia are both capable of beating Alabama. I wouldn't pick them to, but I I think they are both capable of beating Alabama next year. Are we just totally overlooking the possibility? It's not a disciple game, but a coach who could definitely use a win over Nick Saban when you look at his head-to-head with Nick with Florida and Dan Mullen on September the 18th. I mean, before we get to Ole Miss and before we get to – Texas A&M and then LSU and perhaps a matchup with Kirby Smart and Georgia in the SEC championship game. It's kind of amazing to talk about Florida in in terms of a trap game, but you know, is that do you see that as a potential pothole in all this maybe for Alabama? Uh, potentially. Like I, I think anytime you play a Dan Mullen coach team and I, I really appreciate coaches who can scheme things up in a way to be successful, no matter who the talent is. And that's what Dan Mullen is. Uh, I think he's one of the best offensive minds in the country. I just think given everything that's leaving that program this off season, given 
the questions you have on defense, even with Todd Grantham coming back for another year, I, I I can't see that one happening. Maybe I'll be totally wrong, but like I would, I'd pick Alabama by a touchdown or two against Florida heading into next year. I just think Florida's primed for a bit of a regression, at least for a year or two, as they kind of build back up and they bring in those kind of classes that Dan Mullen needs to recruit to compete for championships consistently. As our senior transfer portalist there at 247sports.com, you know as well as anyone, though, that Dan can portal it up. And it looks like the Gators have done that once again, especially on that defensive line, adding Quan Newkirk, the Auburn transfer, got a Penn State transfer in there as well. Offensively, they've added some pieces uh, with an emphasis on a bloated running back situation but I guess a lot of this as we've talked about many times before it just goes back to the quarterback position and you know how much can you really realistically expect from teams against Alabama uh, if they haven't sort of proven themselves uh, behind center and kind of leading into that I'm not sure if you've seen this today Todd McShay of ESPN has his way too early first round mock for the 2022 NFL draft up and you kind of look at this upcoming season, you wonder a little bit about the quarterback position, but lo and behold, in McShay's first round mock, there's five quarterbacks and he's got Keaton Slovis as his first quarterback off the board, Chris at number two overall to the Detroit lions. He has Sam Howell from North Carolina going number seven to the Philadelphia Eagles. Apparently Todd doesn't have a lot of fate, a lot of faith in Jalen hurts. And then it's not till 11 overall in the Denver Broncos that your guy, your guy, Chris Hummer, Spencer Rattler comes off the board. You a little surprised by that order? I am. I think I, I am very surprised to see Keaton Slovis as the number one quarterback in that class to start. Um, I think Keaton could be the number one quarterback in this class before everything's said and done. But if you watched him last year, he was, he was very inconsistent. Um, he had some mechanical issues that he's talked about some this offseason already. He had some confidence issues that I did an interview with him earlier this offseason that he kind of discussed, and that could all change. Like I think Keaton has the tools, but based on what we've seen so far, I don't know if Keaton would be my first quarterback off the board. So I was, I was surprised. I'm a big Spencer Rattler proponent. Um, I love Spencer's game. I think he's got. And I mean a little bit, I mean like a little bit, like an ounce or two of Patrick Mahomes in him uh, with the way he plays. A little bit of Zach Wilson in him as well with kind of what he can do off platform, what he can do out of structure, what he can do out of the pocket when called upon. But he's also one of those quarterbacks that is excellent when on time. And we've seen those Lincoln Riley quarterbacks go really high before. That offense is going to be immensely productive next year. I would kind of point to him as the guy early. Um, Sam Howell, I think, is going to be a really interesting kind of guy to follow. That system at North Carolina is extremely QB-friendly. Uh, that Phil Longo runs. He's had kind of really high-caliber weapons in his career. I think Sam is a really excellent deep ball passer, but he's got some concerns physically from an athletic standpoint and even hand size. Like, he's like I, this is not the end-all be-all, but he has very, very small hands. We, the Jake Fromm thing about that a couple of years ago was a little overblown, but I believe Sam's hands are actually smaller than Jake Fromm's were. Um, wow. So that, that could be something to keep an eye on. And then I think other guys like Carson Strong in Nevada, Malik Willis at um, Liberty, Matt Corral at Ole Miss could all be in that mix. This JT quarterback Daniels. class is not nearly – JT Daniels? 
Yeah, and JT Daniels, yeah. Uh, we had him, Andrew Ivins and I did a mock draft the other day, and we had JT as our third quarterback off the board. So yeah, it's a really wide open class. It's just, yeah, I was going to say it's was, not as good as last year's at all. <laughs> yeah. McShay has, th- this one, you know, makes Auburn fans cringe. Malik Willis going 15th overall to the Washington football team. And then he has Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati as potentially the successor to Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh going 16th overall to Jacob Harrison Stillers. Jacob, of course, our producer on the program. I'm not sure if he's cringing or smiling at the potential of it. He likes it. Jacob (laughs) likes Desmond Ritter maybe to the Stillers. I. I was surprised to see this. Not the he's not Todd's not the first person I've seen throw Desmond Ritter out there. Like not the first scout either. I think he has some limitations as a passer um, that I'd be a little concerned with. He got a lot better last year, but I was surprised to see Desmond that high. But he is certainly the type of athlete that NFL teams are uh, really intrigued by. But yeah, it's it's a really deep quarterback class. Not not quite as good at the top as what we saw last year, in my opinion. I think all of those quarterbacks that we just mentioned would probably have been the fifth or sixth quarterback drafted in this cycle. But it's a really deep class. And as you know, like the transfer portal quarterback carousel, the NFL starting quarterback carousel, tends to turn, and we love talking about them. Yes, we do. Absolutely. As we let you go here, Chris, of Alabama's six first-round picks in the 2021 NFL draft, in your opinion, which one will be the toughest for Alabama to replace. Yeah, that's a really that's a because really you got a, question. Chris, by the way, has a great piece up at twenty four seven sports dot com where he goes through college football's first round picks and comes up with potential successors for all of them, including the SEC. So, uh, what do you think of those six guys? Toughest guy to replace? Probably. Probably Patrick Sertan, I would argue. Um, Josh Job obviously, is going to be the number one cornerback next year. He could be a really early draft pick. But when you kind of have that lockdown presence on one side of the defense, that's that's really difficult to kind of overcome and replace right away. And a guy like Kool-Aid, McKendry, or Kool-Aid could kind of step in right away and kind of take that job potentially as a true freshman. There are a couple other quarterbacks on that roster that are really intriguing. But to replace that kind of lockdown presence, especially when you consider, like, and I know Christian Harris is getting a lot of first-round buzz, but those linebackers really struggled in coverage last year, him and Dylan Moses. And when you don't have Patrick Sertan to race the number one receiver on one side of the field every down, I think that's really difficult to kind of overcome in a way that Alex Otherwood to Evan Neal, Matt Jones to Bryce Young, Najee Harris to that deep available running backs isn't quite as difficult to kind of replace right away. So I, I would go Patrick Sertan until we see kind of what that looks like the first couple of weeks of the season. I like it, Chris, and always like having you here on the program with us. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com, does an outstanding job for us. Thanks again, Chris. We'll hope to do it again real soon. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Thanks so much. There he goes, Chris Hummer. If you haven't already, give him a follow on Twitter, at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M-M-E-R. Back to put a wrap on a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Up now. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, the high 76 degrees. Some clouds moving in tonight. There could be a few isolated showers thanks to a cold front passing through, the low at 49. And tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine with a high at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Again to Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. Always a good time with Chris, the college football professor, as we've dubbed him here on the program. And again, self-nicknames don't count. If you got a nickname, it has to come from someone else to to be legit. And so uh very legitimate with the college football professor, Chris Hummer. Some topics of interest as we move throughout the program today. You had a way too early first round mock from Todd McShay. You also had uh, the thoughts from from Chris on replacements for Alabama's first round picks. No real surprises there. I think there is sort of a domino effect with some of those guys, though, that you have to take into into account with Patrick Sertan the second. You look at the corners and you say, well, Josh Job steps up to that CB1 role. Okay, well, who's going to be CB2? Is it going to be Jalen Armour Davis? Is it going to be, as Chris pointed out, potentially a true freshman in Jaquincy McKinstry? Jalen Armour Davis didn't look all that interested in just handing it over in the spring, did he? Solid. Practice one through practice 15. Nice performance in the A-Day game. So uh, competition at some of these spots, as we know. Running back also in that mix with Najee Harris moving on. Brian Robinson, Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, good group. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. The lunch whistle on this Thursday. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. It is ladies' night, and the feeling is right at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing it. Thanks again to Chris Hummer. Thanks to you as well. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.